We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Bengals win. The Dolphins come up short in Germany and the Eagles hold serve against the Cowboys. And my co-host schedules his wedding around the Jaguars bye week. All around the here up next on the rotowire fantasy football podcast hey everybody welcome to the rotowire fantasy football podcast jeff erickson here with nick whalen the newly married nick whalen congratulations nick had a good wedding weekend Fantastic, fantastic wedding weekend, Jeff. Thank you for asking. We will we'll do the full recap on the Rotowire Relationships podcast, yes. uh, which you can find in your feed. Just search Rotowire. Um, but no, it was great. It was great. Yeah, wedding was on Friday, so I was still able to get home Saturday, rest, recover, catch some great college football games Saturday night. Watch NFL yesterday. Played a little golf yesterday morning, Jeff. So oh, I mean, it was just a it was a strong weekend overall. Good to see friends and family. Uh, but we're right back at it, man. Uh, like you said, it was. It was not intentional uh, that we scheduled the wedding for the Jags bye week. That worked out very well. Uh, that mm-hmm. eliminated some some stress for me. Uh, but a, a lot to get to, man. What a a slow start it felt like on Sunday. A lot of low scoring games early on, and some of those, you know, completely flipped the switch by the time we got to the fourth quarter. Indeed, indeed. Uh, uh, we actually, ha- you know, some some games lived down to the, uh, the 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 billing, and others vastly overachieved. So uh, we'll hit all those up. But I'm going to start with the nightcap because I can. It's my podcast, your podcast, our podcast. But who day? Bengals. Hold, you know, hold serve on Sunday night. And they look good again uh, against the Bills. Two weeks now in a row where they played elite competition and have looked really good in doing so. Yeah, they didn't look quite as good, I thought, as they did two weeks ago against the 49ers, which was one of the cleanest games that we've seen any team play all year. I mean, that was like like the best quarterback game I think I've seen all season. And that's saying a lot Uh, by CJ Stroud this week uh, that we're going to talk about, but Burrow's back. Burrow looks like he's in control. Uh, It wasn't as like, you know, lethally efficient as he was last week against San Francisco, but still looked really good uh, on a night when Cincinnati really couldn't run the ball at all. I mean, this was pretty much on Joe Burrow's shoulders in this receiving Mm -hmm. game. And even with that being the case, even with Buffalo, you know, kind of knowing by the end of this thing that that Cincinnati was going to have to beat them through the air, he was able to do it. 31 of 44, 348, two touchdowns. Yeah, we've been waiting for, for the T. Higgins breakout. I think he's officially back. We saw signs of it last week against San Francisco. I mean, he just missed uh, breaking off a, a couple for even longer plays. One of them probably should have been a touchdown. You could tell he was upset. Uh, but, but uh, you know, on a night when Jamar Chase was held to four for 41 on eight targets, this is why the Bengals are so dangerous, because they have one of the best number two receivers in the league. And this was another reminder game that Tyler Boyd is and has been for a while now the best number three receiver in the NFL. Yep. And, and they discovered a tight end in Tanner Hudson, uh, who heretofore had been just a rumor in their offense. Mm-hmm. Irv Smith got his first Bengals touchdown. Drew Sample had a touchdown where it was just it was such a well-schemed play. Um, they, they had no idea. He, you know, he, he came out of the backfield after, you know, chipping a blitzer and then just snuck out. And they didn't bother assigning a guy to him. And why would you except the bank? Now you will. Now that's out there on tape, too. It's out. It's available. They came so close to hitting Chase on a deep ball. Uh, yeah. It could have been a good, better ba- day for Chase. But you know, Buffalo prioritized trying to stop Chase. Said we're going to make everybody else yeah. beat us. And honestly, it they could they left a lot of points out there. 
Uh, after the interception, they had that weird stuff on a quarterback sneak on second yeah. and second and one, and then a penalty after that. And they didn't ended up getting no points on that whole series when they were down to like the Buffalo 20. Mm-hmm. It could have been even better. Um, bills are dangerous as always. They got the score and the two point conversion late and you're like, hold on to your butts. But then they never got the ball back. And that was a beautiful thing. Yeah, this Bills defense, you know, just does not really look like itself, right? I we've seen some signs of this all season, but losing Milano, losing Trey White, Von Miller, you know, not being anything uh, close to what we 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 remember him as uh, has has really hurt them. And yep. uh, like you said, this could have been worse. You know, that deep ball that was just a bad throw by Burrow. That was his one kind of big mistake on the yep. night. I mean, J- uh, Jamar Chase had what two and a half, three steps on that defender. And if that's laid out there a little bit, you know, he's probably walking into the end zone still almost came down with it, by the way, uh, landed really hard on his back. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a moment there where you're like, all right, please get up. Uh, yes. But you know, still, still you know, went up and, and had a chance at a 50, 50 ball, just a nice play by the defender. But that was, that was underthrown a little bit uh, would have essentially been the final nail in the coffin. So, uh, but that, you know, that's a good sign. I think in some ways for Cincinnati where, you know, it, it kind of felt like they played almost a perfect game last week against the 49ers. And you know there's going to be some degree of a come down when you play that well. Uh, but but for Cincinnati to to do this again, you know, not have its best game and still win comfortably at home, uh, it says a lot about the direction that they're headed. They have a tough schedule the rest of the way. Not a lot of gimmies for the Bengals. I don't know what we do with the Bills at this point. They're five and four, Jeff. I mean, with it, you only get so many of these. All right, we could throw that one out type of games. It feels like they've already used up all of them and then some. Currently not in the playoffs in the dreaded if the season ended today uh, analysis, which it is not ending today, but they have a tough schedule coming up too. Um, And that that's kind of the point. Uh, Their defense had more injuries last night. Uh, Poyer got hurt late in that one there. We'll watch to see his status. He had like 11 tackles in this game. Uh, Josh Allen. I mean, he started off that first drive in beast mode Mm -hmm. and went like four drives in a row without doing anything through the, through the pick. Uh, they took away Gabe Davis from him completely. Uh, two targets got he was the interception was when Davis got targeted. They were looking for Kincaid a lot. Kincaid, mm-hmm. they got unlucky. That fumble was in a, just a just a kind of a fluky lucky. I wouldn't say lucky. It was a really good play by Pratt to dislodge it. Unlucky for Kincaid because he was already falling down. I mean, it's not like yeah. he, it's like uh, oh he needs to do a better job protecting the ball. It was like it, it was a Luke Skywalker shot, which you wouldn't understand. Star Wars. Uh, yeah, it was just it was it was a real it was just like so unlikely that he was able to get such a clean hit on the ball it just happened yeah. but the point is they're they're targeting Kincaid a lot um and they're and like the NBC graphic last night showed that they have lots of success when they target him too so uh expect more of that to continue yeah, we, we started to see it last week with Dawson Knox going out and they just continue to hammer it home. You know, I, I think he's going to be kind of the midseason version of, of Sam Laporta in a lot of ways. I think those guys were, were comparable coming out of uh, the NFL draft. And I think Laporta was in a, a better immediate situation and, and that started to pay dividends faster than Kincaid. But, you know, now after this, uh, I, I think there is a chance that he's what a borderline top five tight end the rest of the way. I, yeah. you know, we, there's still always kind of weird stuff going on at the tight end position in fantasy. Uh, your guy, Taysom Hill had another big week. You know, he has, I, I think Taysom Hill. Embrace that. I actually picked him up in a league where he was tight end eligible this, this week. I was amazed he was available. That's back to back 20 point weeks for yeah. him, man. I mean, he's, he's a tight end nine on the year in PPR leagues. And that's with him doing almost nothing for the first five games of the year. I mean, he's like a, a top three tight end. If you just look at the last month and, and the way they continue to use him, and we'll talk about it when we get to that that New Orleans Chicago game. Um, I, I don't really think that's going to go away anytime soon. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I think you're looking at Kincaid as somebody who could get you pretty comfortably, you know, a 12 to 15 fantasy point base. You, you feel good about on most weeks. He's already done that mm-hmm. in three straight. He's basically done it every game in which he's had this opportunity. And you know, Buffalo still kind of feels like they're missing a true number two. I, I don't know if, if the door is just permanently closed on Gabe Davis ever being that guy. You know he's going to have his two or three splash games throughout the year. He didn't have a single catch last night, Jeff, on, on only two targets. Uh, you know, Again, no receptions there. Khalil Shakur getting into the mix a little bit. But I, I really almost think that that Josh Allen, over the last few games, is starting to look at Dalton Kincaid as his number two guy. Yes, obviously behind it is. It's, it's clearly that, and I agree with you. And, you know, Waller's gone. Uh, he's on IR, and he'll come back at some point. Maybe, maybe not. Goddard's hurt now, uh, yeah. and it looks like he, that's going to be a while before he returns. And Pitts has just dropped. Uh, these guys have surpassed him. So 
I mean, if you look at it, it's Kelsey who had his token bad game. I would we'll get to that, but that means it it don't read anything into that. Yeah. Um, you know, you you, you know, uh, I think there's Kittle still, there's Andrew still, and there's Laporta. Laporta's already entered that conversation, mm-hmm. but Kincaid's right there. I, I think he's an equal to those guys now. Or if not an equal, just maybe a half a step behind at worst. Um I don't think there's much else to say about that. Uh someone uh got a question in the in the chat. Uh Delegizi asked, sell Higgins high. I don't think so. I, I he's not going to be the leading receiver every week, but he was held back earlier this year because Burrow was hurt and then Higgins was hurt. Those conditions don't exist anymore. The Bengals offense is back to being fully formed. <clears throat> Well, and they've done this against the Bills and the 49ers, right? I mean, it's yeah. it's not like they're bouncing back over, you know, the Arizona Cardinals and the, the Denver Broncos here. It's like, I, I think you could project out that against better matchups, um, you know, we're, we're going to have an even higher ceiling for T. Higgins. So I would be, I would be kind of terrified to sell high on him uh, just, just because I, you know, we have multiple seasons of him being arguably the best number two receiver in the NFL. And obviously it was frustrating those first five, six weeks of the year. But like you said, I, I think the burrow injury plus the rib injury, for T. Higgins conspired to to create kind of a worst case scenario for him, and I, I think they're going to have a really nice runway the, the the rest of the season here. And you know, I guess it, my only thing I would say is if you want to trade him and you need help in another position, you know, make sure you're getting somebody with with serious upside at running back or tight end. But if you're if you're trying to do like a sell high on Higgins to bring in a different receiver, I wouldn't really do that. I mean, T. Higgins is the guy I want. Right, I agree. I agree. Uh, one more other Bengals note, and then we'll move on. Uh, Bengals schedule is is stupid. Um, this is, almost looks like a uh, trap week because they host the Texans, but we know the Texans are actually pretty good. But mm-hmm. after that, at Ravens on Thursday night in short rest, uh, then hosting the Steelers, then the Jaguars. It's just there's no there's no break. Um, it's just this is the break, and I fear that a little bit. But I also think they're a well coached team, so I don't think you're going to have uh, too much of an overlook problem. But even the best teams have it. I mean, the Chiefs had it against the Broncos two mm-hmm. weeks ago, and so, you know and they had a little bit of a overlooked game and it caught them. So I, I think they're going to be guarding against that pretty heavily this week. Um, I, I don't know what the line is yet, so don't tell me, but I just I know uh, that they might be the chalk survivor team uh, this week too. So we'll see about that. Um, let's move on. Uh, let's talk about the, the Germany game. Uh, let's talk about that because once again, the Dolphins step up in class and they come up short. They took, a whole half to warm up offensively. There's a fluke play there on the, the Tyreek Hill fumble six. Huge play in this game. Massive play in this game because they were going in looking like they were going to score. But all game, they they just couldn't hit the big plays that they usually hit. Yeah, this is now 0 for 3 for Miami in these spots. And, you know, granted, two of them have come on the road against Buffalo and Philly. You know, one at a neutral site where it kind of feels like a road game. I, I do think, you know, if, if, you, if they were getting some of these big ones – down in Miami, uh, maybe they, they would have a better chance to capitalize. But I, I think if you're Miami, this one is especially frustrating because the other, you know, Philly and Buffalo, those days kind of got away from them. You know, the defense let them down. You know, they, they got into shootouts. And, you know, obviously you'd expect Miami of all teams to be able to, to keep up in that scenario. But this was not the defense this time. I mean, Kansas City had like 50 yards of offense in the second half. And Miami yeah. just Ugh. could not capitalize. Like if, if you had told them going in, hey, you're going to hold Kansas City to 21 points and all 21 of those are going to come in the first half, you would say Miami wins that game, what, eight, nine out of ten times? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 really frustrating. Uh, you know, I, I do think we focus so much on Kansas City uh, and, and the offense, and it certainly did not look good this week, I'll tell you that. I think they were really lucky to escape with this win. I don't know, and some of the, the third down play calling, oh. bizarre. I mean, it, it, it reminds me of what the Jags were doing early in the year. It's like you got third at about six inches, and if you get it, the game's over. And what do you do? You run this like weird kind of, I wouldn't say trick play by any means, but this kind of one option uh, passing route where there's three Miami defenders blanketing Travis Kelsey. I mean, you got, you got Isaiah Pacheco. That's one of the number one running backs I want in the league in that situation. And if you look at how Miami was lined up, they weren't prepared for, for a run up the middle. They were not prepared for a potential Mahomes sneak. I know he doesn't want to sneak anymore. I get that. Uh, but it just, it feels like they're being a little too cute. I know the, oh, the absolutely. Yeah, well, the personnel is part of the issue as well, more so than it was in years past. But, yeah, I mean, the, the Chiefs have gotten themselves in trouble over the years. Almost, It seems like just running plays out of boredom. And now is not the time to be doing that. In a very key uh, third and one late in the game, they were lucky to escape. You know, the Dolphins end up you know, threatening to tie this game late and then kind of shooting themselves in the foot. You know, the game ends with this weird, wacky, you know, bad snap, sacked, uh, 
situation. Oh. But Miami absolutely had a chance to tie it late if they had not uh, committed a couple key penalties and taken some losses. Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, the play before where Tua underthrew badly oh, an man. open Cedric Wilson. It's been speculated it was a slip. Other people said it was a miscommunication. Um, I thought the ball got tipped at the line. I mean, that was just one of the one of the worst throws you're going to see all year. I, I'm sure there was some reason for it, but I mean, that was like 15 yards under thrown. Yeah, it was. And it's just emblematic of this game. Yeah. Uh, both teams are on bye now. They take the bye after going to Germany. So uh, we'll see uh, You know what, how they bounce back. But Kelsey had a miserable game. He was their eighth yeah. leading receiver in terms of yards. Uh, not, 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 and it's not because somebody else went off either. That's the, the weird thing. Very weird game. Just a weird, weird game all around. LaMichael P. Ryan got a carry somehow. Sure. Um, Jarek McKinnon got a touchdown and Rasheed Rice got a touchdown. Uh, yeah. Mostert did all of his production in the second half. He was having a miserable, no good, awful day. And then after a penalty, you know, you know, no, no. Yeah. After a penalty saved their drive, Chris mm -hmm. Jones took a terrible penalty. Mostert converts right after that with the touchdown. I mean, if it weren't for that penalty, we might not even have been talking about the end of the game there. I mean, no, that Jones right. penalty just saved that drive. Awful, awful play. Yeah, by, by Chris Jones. And at the time, you know, Miami was picking up momentum and uh, you just felt like the Chiefs couldn't do anything. You know, I said they had like 50 yards of total offense in the second half. It was actually 46, 46 oh. yards for the Kansas City Chiefs in the second half of the game. I mean, it was they were, they were going, you know, punt rate offense for a while. We had seven consecutive punts at one point. Uh, near the end of the the first quarter and into the second quarter, um, and then the the one really big play I, I think that ended up uh, essentially winning this game for Kansas City. It, it felt like at the time it was the the levy breaking on what was going to be a blowout. Little did we know the Chiefs wouldn't put up any more points after this. But Tyreek Hill fumbling, getting stripped, the, the ball pitched back on the return, yep. uh, lateral to to Cook who, who took that all the way for uh, about a sixty yard touchdown. And, you know, that fumble occurred just on the edge of the, the Kansas City red zone. So, uh, you know, huge, huge flip there. And, you know, much like the Kincaid fumble uh, in the, the Cincinnati-Buffalo game, you know, that was one that, that really felt like a backbreaker at the time. Yep. I've been often been told you should eat your vegetables before uh, eating uh, the main course or let alone dessert. But I'm going to go right to Houston-Tampa Bay anyhow, Nick, oh, yeah. because, oh, my God, there's the lead story. C.J. Stroud, what a day. I, th I think I'm like 0 for 8 picking the Texans this year. I was on I was on Tampa Bay. Uh, I, I think we actually had about two and a half at least. Well, you got to cover, picks, but but I, I wanted the win. I was on Tampa Bay in, in pickup as well. Oh, I mean, this was egregious, man. I mean, for one, you know, it felt like Tampa Bay got lucky just to go up and seemingly win the game late. Uh, you know, with a a score with what like 46 seconds on the clock. Mayfield finds Kate Otten. Uh, they they go up 37 or excuse me, yeah, 37 33 at that point. Yep. And you're thinking, all right, there we go. I mean, the, the, the Buccaneers have done the unthinkable. They're, they put up 37. We never thought their offense could even get here. 46 seconds. There's no way Houston's going the length of the field. And, I mean, there are prevent defenses. And then then there's what Tampa Bay was doing, which was like, hey, do you want, do you want 20, 25 yards? Just take it. Yeah. Like, we're not even going to contest anything. It felt right. like they had no linebackers on the field. Uh, it, it was, you know, it felt like, you know, 20 seconds of real time. All of a sudden, Houston's at like the 35-yard line. And you're like, wait, they're one completion away from having a real shot here. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're totally burying the lead. I mean, C.J. Stroud, man, did not have a huge first half whatsoever. Houston actually struggled quite a bit. I mean, they were down 20 to 10 at one point in this game. And, and the way they were moving the ball or, or kind of lack thereof, you felt like that was almost insurmountable. They could not run the ball, shockingly, believe it or mm -hmm. not, 17 for 53 on the day. Uh, Rashad White, by the way, actually kind of got loose by his standards. Two touchdowns, 73 yards. Uh, <clears throat> but C.J. Stroud just put this team on his shoulders in the second half, 300 yep. yard receivers for Houston, you know, Noah Brown ripped off a 75 yarder. That was doing a lot of work there. Dalton Schultz, a huge day. Tank Dell is becoming one of my favorite players in the NFL. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as a Jaguars fan, Jeff, like I wanted nothing more than CJ Stroud to be a huge bust. So the Jags could just rule the division for the next five years. I don't even care about this is, this is so much fun to watch. I, I really like this Texans team. Incre you know, and he was struggled badly last week at Carolina. Yeah. And, bounces back so strong they and the thing is they can't run the ball they know they can't run the ball they basically gave up trying um even with no you know and it wasn't singletary's fault damian pierce didn't play singletary was 13 and 26 they just stopped trying 42 passes 470 passing yards just what a day for uh stroud uh hidden hero wisconsin's own dari ogubanwale uh <laughs> with the field goal to put them up 33 30 after uh they got uh, their kicker got hurt yeah. 
I mean, that's huge. It's huge. I mean, and they knew down the stretch. Okay, well, like we they didn't kick the extra point late, which cost right. us the cover, by the way, because we that's got right. the line at two and a half. Um, but they they didn't want to risk like a blocked extra point two point conversion. Yeah. And that was the smart play, but it ticked me off nonetheless because I wanted that cover. I'm nine and four, Nick, and I should be ten and three. Should be. You know, there's no such uh, thing as should be, by the hey, way. Hey, look, man, um, we we went four and one in the circuit contest this week, and the one loss was the New Orleans Saints with Blake Groupie banging one off the upright with about two minutes left oh, that would have given us the cover. So we're not a groupie, I feel groupie you. that's for sure. I man, I, I feel you on that. I feel like this is not the first time that he's done this to us. But um yeah, I mean I don't don't have a whole lot else to say about this game. I mean it was certainly did not expect to get almost 80 combined points out of these two teams. No. Uh, you know, it, you know, coming into the week I was thinking like, you know, this could be a first to 24 type of game and turned into one of the most fun games of the entire season, not only the week, uh, but CJ Stroud, it just feels like has, I guess, fully arrived at this point. And, you mm -hmm. know, maybe you want to see a little more consistency. Like you said, we kind of forget that he looked terrible last week and, and lost to Bryce Young, who, you know, meanwhile, like right after CJ Stroud has this game, Bryce Young is throwing two pick sixes and looking bad, um, you know, in a blowout loss for Carolina. But I, I mean, CJ Stroud is on pace for like an all time, rookie season by a quarterback, you know, well ahead of some of these guys that we think of as the best quarterbacks in the league. So it just kind of makes you wonder like, where, where do we go from here? Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's still pretty shocking to me. Like nobody's, nobody's surprised that CJ Stroud's like a good rookie quarterback. I just, I, I didn't think it would be to this level with this team. Right. I mean, this is, this is a best, best, best case scenario. Yeah. Five touchdowns, no picks. I mean, hardly any incompletions. Noah Brown, six targets, six catches, 153. Dalton Schultz, 11 targets, 10 catches. Um, he, you know, Dell's the, the one guy, it's kind of boomer bust. He he had five non-catches on his 11 targets. Still, I mean, it's just it's spreading around. Okay, Nico Collins get, uh, gets loose early, gets the touchdown. They they try to take him away. Okay, fine. We'll go to everybody else, and it works. Um, it's dangerous there. So uh, we'll, we'll yeah. see uh, what happens against the Bengals this upcoming week, but that's pretty big. On the Bucks side, the one disappointment, you know, you score 37. They score 37 points, and Chris Godwin's two for 16. Like, come on. Um, I, I really don't need yeah. to see more Kate Otten, but Kate Otten had two touchdowns, six for 70 on the day too. The fact is it worked um, again. I mean, we can gnash our teeth at that, but the Bucks put up 37 points. You can't complain about their distribution when they score 37 points. Yeah. Yeah. They were dealing with some shorter fields than Houston throughout the game, like 37 points. And they only had like 330 yards of total offense, mm -hmm. which is not terrible. But when you're putting up 37, you know, you're, you're expected to be you know, in or above 400 range. Um, so that was part of it, but yeah, just a kind of a dud day for Chris Godwin. He did play 58 snaps. He led, he led all, all receivers and really all skill players in snaps for Tampa. So it wasn't, it wasn't like there was an injury here or, you know, they went away from him for any reason. Uh, just a, a strange, strange distribution for the Buccaneers. So even Mike Evans four for 87, that's great. Uh, you know, looked like he had a touchdown at one point, ended up being ruled down at about the one yard line. Uh, but you know, as we all expected, Jeff, it was a Rashad white and Kate Otten day for Tampa. Yeah, naturally, naturally there. Uh, and Rashad White's looked good. He looked good in the Thursday night game the week yeah. before, too. Baker Mayfield's fine. He's solid. Uh, he's not going to be great. He's not going to like outright win you games, but he's not outright losing games either. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. Uh, that, that, so uh, let's move on because we got a lot to cover, and I know you got a hard out today. So Baltimore and Seattle, this probably won't take very long, actually, because this was a total utter squash. Um you know, I, I think we we can say you know, all the superlatives about Baltimore at home, especially in a cross conference game. Just, just this game was just non competitive from the word go. This is very similar to the Detroit game where they just they crushed them. They got their they got their scores, and if it weren't for one turnover by uh, by the Ravens, one fumble by Lamar, I mean this this game could have. And I think Odell put one on the ground too. I mean, I, I think, but for those, I mean, this could have been even worse. Yeah, it was two to two in terms of turnovers. Both of those were fumbles for Baltimore. Five fifteen to one fifty one was the total yardage split oh. in this game. Seattle six first downs, one of twelve on third down for the day. Uh, meanwhile, Baltimore twenty nine first down, six of thirteen on third down. I mean, it could have been worse. It truly could have been much worse. I mean, Baltimore, I yeah. thought, kind of called the dogs off by the end of the third quarter. I mean, it was Tyler Huntley playing most of the fourth quarter for the Ravens. Uh, you talk about frustrating fantasy days. Ravens dominate a game. You know, a, a, they, this is about as lopsided as any game's been this year. Lamar Jackson, 187 passing yards, 60 rushing yards. You'll take it. No touchdowns, no, no. touchdowns uh, of the 37 points put up by the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, so that was a bit of a disappointment, but 
good to see Odell Beckham getting involved. I mean, it was Tyler Huntley who threw the touchdown to Beckham late. I believe that was the last score of the game for yeah. the Ravens. Uh, other than that, Mark Andrews did, did his usual thing, nine for 80. Uh, but it was all about the ground game for the Ravens. 41 carries as a team, 298 total yards. Uh, Keaton Mitchell played 14 snaps and had 138 rushing yards. He basically touched the ball every time he was in the game. I think this was kind of the coming out party for him. And I, I expect him to be uh, one of the more sought after waiver wire options that we've seen all year. Is this an HN situation where he's just so good that he's going to force the issue? <laughs> I, I think it is. I said the exact same thing to to Brandon Kravitz on his show earlier today. It's like, I, it reminds me of, of what we dealt with in Miami. And you know, I was, you know, I was the one that was saying that ah, pump the brakes a little bit. I, I'm, I'm a little concerned with HN. Like, you know, I, I think Mostert and, you know, Salvin Ahmed, those guys are going to be involved. I, I mean, I'm not making that mistake twice. I, I think Keith Mitchell is the guy you want to own in this Baltimore backfield. Uh, we'll have our guy, John McKechnie, noted Ravens fan, joining us on Sirius XM tonight. I'm curious to hear his, his thoughts. I know he's been thinking about Mitchell coming off of IR for a long time. Much like the Miami situation, though, Jeff, I, I do think we still see plenty of Edwards and Hill. You know, it's just a matter of, you know, can, can he pull the HN? And even if he's only getting a third of the carries, can he still you know, rip off a few big ones and turn that into big time fantasy production? Because if you look at the snap splits from yesterday, I mean, Justice Hill played 48 snaps. Gus Edwards and Keaton Mitchell each played 14. Like, I, I don't know that that just completely reverses after one week. Yeah. And I, I think this is also the nature of the blowout. I mean, it was yeah. Mitchell got a lot of carries in the fourth quarter uh, where, where obviously they're not going to expose Edwards as much. Justice Hill still got 13 carries. I mean, it's not like he was, he, he disappeared. It's just that, Mitchell adds an element there that they didn't otherwise have. He's just a lightning guy. Um, yeah. We'll say this uh, about, you know, all the positivity about my Bengals. The Ravens are still two games ahead of them yeah, it, with a win, head to head win in, in, in yeah. pocket. Uh, it's yeah. So as happy as I can be, everything is pointing to a playoff game in Baltimore later on. And it, it's their sweet revenge after last year. Uh, we need to be talking about Baltimore as one of the elite teams in the league. Uh, that, that, yeah. that my takeaway is they're right there. I mean, we, we lifted the Detroit when we're like, is this a one-off for Detroit? Yeah, probably mm -hmm. it is. And they proved otherwise. I don't think it's true for Seattle, but I think the real takeaway is Baltimore is just that freaking good. I, I think they have a very strong case right now to be the best team in the AFC. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, obviously Kansas city, you know, kind of gets the cachet of being the chiefs, but uh, if you're just taking what's happened on the field this season, and especially for the last month, Baltimore, to me, is very clearly the best team in the AFC. The point differential would lean that way as well. I mean, they're plus 115 on the year. I mean, no, no other team is even close to that at this point. Yeah. Uh, I, I believe the Bills were, were actually first in point differential coming into the week. That's no longer the case. I mean, they're plus 80. So they're 35 points behind the Ravens um, with the same number of games played. So, yeah, I, I think if you're power ranking right now, <clears throat> excuse me, it does have to be the Ravens. I, I know you, you can't put the Bengals up top right now. They're technically last in their own division. I still feel like that's the team nobody wants to play most. Um, oh, oh, I agree. I agree. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm super. They're just, we're back. We're they're back. so locked in, man. I, I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm happy for us that we have we have two good teams that are going to be really fun to follow the yeah. rest of the season. But, man, Cincinnati looks looks so, so good. But, look, not, not to take anything away from Baltimore. I mean, they've been they've been as convincing as it gets. Um, you know, you think back to that weird game a few weeks ago in London against the Titans where they, they almost gave it away at the end. Uh, yeah, I mean, since then, they have answered the call, right? I mean, yeah. And that they could be win. eight and one. Arguably, they could be nine or no because the Colts game was in a monsoon. Oh my god! Yeah. Um, and there were some things that happened in that game that were on the on the weird scale. And then you had just the drop of all drop games against Pittsburgh, where they had that game won. I mean, that game was that that was they. If you looked at like win like win percentages, like yeah. it was in the nineties most of the game. Uh, and they yeah, found a, no they question. found a way to snatch uh, defeat from the jaws of victory in that one. There, they should be not, they should be on nine and zero right now. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, they've, they've won their last three, like 106 to 33. I mean, it's been as dominant of a stretch as it gets. And coming up, Browns next week, big game. Bengals after that, Chargers yep. after that. They still play the Jags, Niners, and Dolphins later in the season as well. So another team with a tough road ahead. Yeah, their turn to go undefeated in the NFC West. It's happening soon there. Um, okay, one more thing uh, on the Seattle side of things. Oh, this has been a rough look for a while now. Um, red zone has been really bad for a while and now they're just terrible all around. Gino has really regressed this year. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's tough. And, you know, this is one of my biggest misses of the week in, in staff picks. I, I took the Ravens to win, but I thought, all right, this, is, this number is a little high. I think it was like six, six and a half. I thought Seattle could hang it tough. And a half. Um, it, it, this was a scoreless game at the end of the first quarter, by the way. So it wasn't yeah. like it wasn't like the Bengals just, you know, or the Bengals, the Ravens just jumped out to this, you know, immediate lead. Uh, but no, you're right. I mean, Geno Smith has been a problem, especially the last three or four weeks. The decision making hasn't been there. It feels like he's starting to question himself, especially in the red zone. Uh, the running game is starting to become less consistent. Uh, I mean, th- this one got out of hand and, you know, they barely ran the ball at all. So I, I don't think there's a whole lot of takeaways there. Um, you know, DK Metcalf, basically a non-factor outside of one long reception in the first half. Tyler Lockett uh, w- w- was clamped up as well. I mean, the the only real positive for Seattle the, these last few weeks has been Jackson Smith and Jigba finally starting to emerge as, as more of a consistent threat. But um, that was all yeah. late, though, too. Yeah, right. I mean, that, right. That, I mean, that wasn't even something to be bankable, I thought, but. No, I mean, it was it was a byproduct of the game script. And, you know, Seattle's still five and three. They're still in, in good position in the NFC West. But this was I, I think this was one of those reminder games that, OK, this is not a, a anything close to a tier one team. One related question from John. He says, should I trade away Mark Andrews and just use Taysom Hill as a tight end? Uh, obviously, it depends on what you get, um, because you're not going to trade Taysom Hill for value. You're going to get the better value from Andrews. Yeah. Um, and I like the idea, especially because the Ravens do have a bye week coming up. Mm-hmm. I, I would still be a little a little skittish, uh, I guess, of you know trading away Mark Andrews. It, again, it all depends what you're getting back. You know, if you can get mm-hmm. a an elite running back or an elite receiver, and you're comfortable with Taysom Hill, then sure. I mean, Taysom Hill's been extremely durable. I, I don't see them slowing down on his role. Uh, you know, part of the reason the Saints are, are starting to pick up steam with that offense is they're they're finding ways to 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 kind of get him in there and and get him involved. Um, you know, outside of the you know the oh, Chris Olave and to some degree, Michael Thomas, this is a, an offense that I think needs one other guy. And, and he's been that dude. So yeah, I mean, the numbers speak for themselves with Taysom Hill, 21, 23, 17 fantasy points over the last three weeks. I, I think it's, it's justifiable. He's a top 10 tight end on the season. So you should in theory, feel comfortable in starting him. Indeed. Okay. Uh, before we talk Cleveland, Arizona, we're on the blue wire network. Here are their ads. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Thank you for your indulgence on that. Uh, if Seattle didn't have the worst day, it was Arizona that had the worst day. You know, they're still waiting to get their first score. They, this was a total squash defensively. I mean, the, the the Browns offense was nothing. I mean, nothing that impressive, but it didn't matter because Arizona under Clayton Toon was just out of tune. They had no chance of scoring in this game. I, I feel like we built this entire pod around that line just for this moment in life. Yep. My whole uh, well, life was built for that. You know, in Clayton Toon's defense, Jeff, he did lead the Cardinals to 1.2 yards per play. They had 48 total yards on, or excuse me, 58 total yards on 48 total plays. That was terrible. I mean, this was the worst offensive performance of the year, uh, save for perhaps that that Giants game last week with the negative nine passing yards. Uh, But at at least the Giants have Saquon Barkley, who can put the the offense on his shoulders and at least kill some clock. I mean, this was, oh man, this was a bad game. This was a very bad game. If you were watching Red Zone yesterday, it almost never popped up. Uh, even even when the Browns were doing things, it just felt like they're like, all right, people don't need to see this. Like you know, the poor Cardinals, we should pity them. Uh, they were just never in this game. Could have been much uglier, like you said. Uh, you know, Browns actually didn't run the ball all that well, uh, as well as you think in a game that was this lopsided. No. Under no. three yards per carry. Uh, I mean, Jerome Ford, 20 for 44. Kareem Hunt, 14 for 38. 
Um, so they actually had to rely on the passing game probably a little bit more than they than they wanted to. Uh, but luckily, Amari Cooper was there for some big plays, five for 139 and a score. Uh, we didn't even mention Deshaun Watson, somewhat surprisingly to me at least, came back and quarterback this game. Looked fine, uh, but but it was it was all about you know Arizona just being completely overmatched. And meanwhile, the guy they traded away is you know leading the Vikings to an unlikely win over Atlanta. Yeah, well, both teams had traded away this guy, so there was that. They had that in common. Um, you know, it, it was funny. I so I had the Browns and Survivor this week in Circuit Survivor, and so I, I every once in a while I'd go to that game just to sweat it a little bit in the first half. Like, oh, that's seven rushing plays in a row on this drive, and all my so I was like, okay, they're gonna have some pretty good stats. And I come back and I look at the actual stat line, I'm like, what? What did I miss? I mean, that it must have been the one drive where they had a couple of effective runs. Uh, and that was the drive where they had the touchdown pass to Cooper off the defender's helmet. Yeah. Um, they the Cleveland announcers were good. They were like, this week we got the good bounce. Last week we had that that bounce resulted in an interception. Um, so it's sometimes the ball bounce is funny, you know, and that's the way it was. But when, when Arizona could just do absolutely nothing, uh, there's not much more to say about that. Will we see Kyler Murray this week? I, I still don't really understand exactly what Arizona is trying to do here. Um, but I, I think so. I don't know. I don't know why you throw Clayton Dude out there unless you're already in first overall pick mode. I, I think that's really the only argument. I mean, Clayton Dune looked exactly like we thought somebody named Clayton Toon would look like in an NFL game. So I think they know what they're signing up for. And, you know, you, maybe you feel better about him against the Falcons. Uh, but Clayton Toon versus the the Cleveland Browns defense was a recipe for disaster. And that's exactly what we got. So as long as Kyler Murray's healthy and as long as Arizona seems to be putting its best foot forward and wanting to put a decent product on the field, I, I think it would make sense to bring him back at home against Atlanta rather than on the road at Cleveland. Exactly. The entire AFC North won this week. Good time. So the Bengals, yeah. even though they won, they gained no ground. And Browns and Ravens this week, though. So it should be a, a big game there. Uh, okay, no more. I don't think we need to say anything more about that game. No. Uh, let's move on and talk a little Bears and uh, the uh, Saints. Obviously, you you lost your cover on this one. Could have got a perfect week in Circa, uh, but for this, but uh, because of Blake Groupie. But that wasn't really the lead story. Lead story early on was actually... That Tyson Bajant was QB one for like the first half of the day uh, until later on in this game yeah. until he started throwing soul killing picks. Uh, but you know, for a while the Chicago offense was moving, but so was uh, the Saints offense. Most of the offense in this game happened in the first half. Yeah, at one point, I mean, the, the game started touchdown, punt, pick, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. I mean, we had we had twenty eight points on the board. Uh, pretty early in the second quarter with like yeah. 10 minutes left in the second quarter. And then the bears, you know, put together this long, long drive. And of course that ends with them missing a short field goal. And at that point it, it kind of felt like, all right, that was a pretty big momentum sucker uh, going into the half. And it still took New Orleans a while to fully take control of this game. Uh, you know, they went up 24, 17 uh, early in the fourth quarter, but the, the bears hung tough. And, you know, even after a couple back-to-back -back turnovers, back-to-back -back picks by, by Tyson Bajan, the Saints didn't do anything with it. I mean, they had opportunity after opportunity to run yeah. away with this game or at least make it a two-score game. And and they, they allowed the Bears to hang around. I actually thought Bajan played pretty well. A 18 of 30 for 220. Obviously, three picks. You can only play so well if you're doing that. Two of those were really nice plays. Too. Yeah, no. yeah. I mean, he's, he's been a turnover machine. We knew that. Uh, but a couple of those picks were really nice plays. Paulson Adebo uh, played really well for, for the New Orleans Saints. Had a nice diving interception over the middle. Uh, but this is what you're signing up for with, with Tyson Bajan. You, know, you see the flashes of, of why he could be a somewhat exciting young player. But, you know, ultimately, I, I think he's he's just one of those guys that five, ten years down the road, we're still going to be talking about, you know, in the same way that we mentioned, like Nathan Peterman. You're like, wow, I can't believe that guy started NFL games. Yeah, I think he's kind of a poor man's Gardner Minshew. He's yeah, got, he's got a scrambling ability, but he also has mistake ability. I think he might, he's better than Peterman, but that, oh, that's oh, yeah. the damnest. Yeah, that was, I should, I should retract that. That was, that was disrespectful to Tyson Bates. That's the faintest of faint praise though. Yeah. I mean, come on. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Uh, Deonta Foreman looked good. 20 for 83. It was clearly yeah. him over Johnson. Uh, and Darrington Evans got one carry. At least they didn't, he didn't steal a, goal, a touchdown this time. Uh, Cole Komet with just a beautiful catch on one of the two yeah. touchdowns he had. Uh, Derek Carr kind of disappointing. I got to say. Uh, only 6.2 6 yards per attempt, uh, 211 yards. I was kind of thinking this is a funnel sort of game. You know, you, you, your defense nets you five turnovers and you only put up 24 points. 
I, I still this defense. I mean, this offense isn't really all the way there. They didn't turn the ball over themselves, but I kind of like you said, I wanted them to put away you know, to do a better job of putting them away. This game could have even been closer. Cairo Santos missed a chip shot in the, yep. the right before halftime, too. It's pretty tough to win the turnover battle five to nothing and get you know get outgained by quite a bit, run mm-hmm. fewer plays, lose the time of possession battle. I, I mean, New Orleans did not play well. Uh, the Bears handed the Saints this game, and yeah, obviously I was you know, somewhat joking about about losing that cover, but um, you know they, they had a forty-seven yard field goal to to finally go up two scores. Finally, they're in field goal range. Can't hit that. Um, nope. And then, you know, of course, they were they were set up for another field goal late and unfortunately converted a third and two and were then able to kneel it out. But had they not <laughs> converted that, we might have had another opportunity at it. Uh, right. Regardless, I don't it doesn't really change my opinion on either of these teams. I, I think we we know New Orleans plays down to its competition. It feels like once every three or four weeks, they'll they'll show glimpses of why we think this is the best team in the NFC South. But Ultimately, I mean, they're they're close to like Falcons Chargers territory in terms of teams that you just you have no idea what's going to happen week to week. Yeah, these were the overwhelming top two choices in Circus Survivor: the Browns and the Saints. And Browns over fifty percent third week wow. in a row. We've had just the total chalk, but we also had alternate chalk because the the, the uh, Saints were like thirty five percent. I think I'd feel better of having used the Saints now than having used the Browns. I would rather have the Browns going forward. I think they're a better team, even though they get their own offensive loss too. Yeah, the Browns do still play at Denver and at the Rams, and they play the Those Bears games, though, later yeah. in the year. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's – yeah. Browns yeah, at I, home, I think, I'm fully comfortable with. Browns on the road, not so much yet. Yeah, I think um, that Bears game in, in December uh, is when you would want them. But, I mean, that's yeah. that's six weeks out at this point. So I, I, I hope and pray that you're still alive. I feel like you've been – it's been pretty much smooth sailing. You've been nailing these so far. You've been a chalk monster. That's all. Yeah. I mean, that's hey, – Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, there's still about 1,200 still left out of the con- in the contest, though. So not too many souls were lost this week. Mm. Um, let's move on. But before we do that, uh, let's talk Circa. We were already talking Circa Survivor. Get ready for the ultimate big game parties at Circa Resort and Casino. Super Sunday is in Las Vegas this year. Watch the big game poolside at Stadium Swim's big game viewing party. Massive screen, booming game sound, and a view of the pyrotechnic and visual effects throughout the game. Snag the best seat in the sun with daybeds, poolside boxes, cabanas, and more. Or touch down at the world's largest sports book, Circus Sports, for the big game bash. Three stories of football glory featuring a $78 million pixel screen. Not dollars, but $78 million pixel screen. Uh, it's, just, it's truly a sight to behold. It's awesome. Nick and I have spent plenty of time at Circa over the last two years. Uh, highly vouch for it there. Book your seat with a variety of reservation options, including bottle service, open bar, stadium-style food, and more. Don't miss these legendary viewing experiences on February 11th. The big game. Parties only at Circa Resort and Casino. Reserve today at CircaLasVegas.com. I am here with Nick Whalen, the the recently betrothed Nick Whalen. Uh, Congratulations again for that. Congratulations to the Vikings for uh, pulling off a miracle win in Atlanta on this one here with uh, their... Basically, third quarterback, which is really their second one, but he, you know, he had this, he had this, he, he didn't even know the players' names, let alone the plays. Somehow, he had to step in after, and then we're talking about Joshua Dobbs after Jaron Hall got concussed, and Joshua Dobbs was balling out there. Uh, man, I uh, first of all, I want to thank our guy Adam Thompson for Bookies.com for uh, you know reminding me very kindly that we should never trust the Atlanta Falcons right. and talking me out of potentially using them in the contest this weekend. I, I still took the Falcons in most of my picks this week, mostly because I, I thought we were going to see Jaron Hall. And I, I think I even wrote in my article, it's like my biggest fear here is that Josh Dobbs comes into the game because that's not good news for Atlanta. And of course, you know, but what is, was it late in the first quarter? Jaron Hall went out early second. Um, you know, we see Josh Dobbs and you know he's been on the team for like 72 hours. He's, you know, there's video of him on the sideline, like practicing his cadence with the center to be like, hit. Here's how I talk when, when I want the ball snapped. And they're like, okay, yeah, man, sounds good. And he goes 20 for 30 for 158, two touchdowns. Got the legs going as well. Seven for 66, had a couple long scrambles that were huge, huge late in this game. conversion, um, absolutely. I, I love this Vikings team, man. I, I thought last year we, we we talked a lot of sauce about them. You know, they were they were winning games. They had no business winning. This team is not that good. And, and yet they're five and four. And, you know, they might have the inside track now to the seven spot in the NFC playoff race, which is – Absolutely crazy. I don't, I don't know who's going to get that. Uh, nobody in the NFC South seems to to really be putting their, uh, you know, their hat in the ring. And Atlanta is one of those teams. I mean, my God, man, this team is like this is there. It's it's Atlanta and the Chargers as the two most most frustrating teams to me. Talent versus results. 
Yeah. And at, at least with the Chargers, like there seems to be, you know, like things out of their control, you know, coming down from the heavens uh, that, that are altering games for them. Like the Falcons, I just watched this team and it's like, they're doing this to themselves. Like, so stupid. I, I mean, oh they're my so goodness, stupid. it's so frustrating. This team is just <laughs> awful, man. It's awful to watch. Yeah. Uh, John U. Smith jet sweeps at the goal line for the win or the loss as the case may be. Yeah, that uh, they got the sack fumble like at the two yard line, the one yard right. line, and couldn't get punch it in. Bijan didn't touch it once in that sequence. Now he did lose a, a fumble in this game, so I get it a little, kind of it. And Algiers okay, uh, but my goodness, you you spent a first round pick on him. If you're gonna, sp- I mean, ah, I just it's one thing to say, okay, maybe he's not that great. We're overhyping. You spent a first round pick on him. You spent a first round pick on Pitts. You spent a first round pick on Drake London. London's hurt this week. They were, you know, he he had to sit out this this past week. But oh, Galaxy braining this every single week. They had the one big play to Johnny Smith. I mean, they had that huge drive at the end of the game where the, the running game was actually working. Algier mm-hmm. had some good runs in that last drive, and they're like, okay, well, their formula worked again. Here we are, gnashing our teeth. Okay, Arthur Smith's justified. Okay, see, they won. You can't say stuff to them when they win, but guess what? You didn't win. Too bad. Ha ha. Yeah, the defense let them down at the end of this game, really for the second straight week. Uh, they were completely unprepared, completely embarrassed by Will Levis a week ago. We we saw you know much different result uh, when they when they went up against the Steelers on Thursday night, and mm-hmm. you know they, like you said, they, they actually put together one of their better drives of the season. That that go ahead drive and where it was Tyler Algier just you know battering ramming his way time and time again. Uh, but they they left too much time for Josh Dobbs, just a, a little bit over two minutes. Uh, you know, it never really even felt like that drive was in that much peril until uh, you know the Vikings were already deep in Atlanta territory. They they faced a fourth and seven. That's when we saw the 22 yard scramble by Joshua Dobbs to get them all the way down uh, close to the Atlanta 10 yard line. And at that point, you just you felt like the floodgates had broken. It was like inevitable it, it, at that point. Yeah. Right? Did you have Did you have any faith that Atlanta was getting a stop there? Like hell no, man. Like this defense. Some of the numbers would indicate that they're they're playing a lot better than last year, but this is two weeks in a row where you're in just you're, you're in such a great spot. You're catching Will Levis, the Titans' third string quarterback in his first start. You're yeah. catching Josh Dobbs when he doesn't even know any of the signals or know the plays, and you let the Vikings put up 31 points. Man, I am I am done. I am done with the Falcons. I think we've been done with them for fantasy and for other reasons for a while. Mm-hmm. But but just in terms of being a team that I mean, you're not going to find two better spots back to back, and to lose both of those games straight up is. Uh, yeah, it's unconscionable by, by Arthur Smith. I mean, this team is just not where it needs to be. Taylor Heineke is going to start again next week. Uh, and and uh, Cam Akers uh, for the Vikings ruptured his Achilles attendant again. Yeah. Second He's probably time. Done. It's probably done. He's certainly done the rest of this year, but we'll see uh, if he can ever come back from that. Uh, watch out for TJ Hawkinson status too. He took a shot to the ribs, uh, was clearly in a lot of pain, did come back into the game, played, played the, the rest of the game, but that's something to watch for as we go forward, too. Uh, let's move on to the next game uh, on our list. Uh, and that game is going to be the uh, oh, Packers and the and the Rams. We got to talk. This is your eat your vegetables game right here. Yeah. My goodness, man. Uh, yeah. What a win for the Green Bay Packers. Um, <laughs> man, this was this was a bottom three, like ugliest game of the year. No question. And I, I thought Brett Rippon would give the Rams a little more juice. You know, he, he was two and one as a starter in his career. Like he, he had some successful game management like appearances. He was awful. He was very, very bad. It was clear the Rams had almost no faith in him. Uh, just very basic play calling uh, by, by LA. They were not very aggressive. Uh, another just kind of complete no show type of week for both Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua. Not really their fault. Uh, I felt like it was more on the play calling, more on Brett Rippon just being so limited. Um, but I, I, it doesn't really change my opinion of Green Bay. I didn't think the Packers played very well either. No. Uh, you know, it, it felt like the scheming was a little bit more creative. The, the touchdown from Love to Musgrave was a really nice play. Uh, I think the 49ers, they actually run that either last year or earlier this year, uh, where Jordan Love, you know, kind of fakes one way, fakes the other way, spins back, you know, facing forward, and there's Musgrave running wide open. Other than that, though, I mean, Christian Watson did, did do the unthinkable, Jeff, and catch a contested ball for the first time all year. And also suffered like three injuries somehow on that play. So he's yeah. back on, on the report this week. We'll see if he plays in week 10. Uh, Green Bay did not play well. The Rams just played worse. Yeah. I mean, Love's efficiency numbers, 8.8 yards per attempt is pretty good. But he did take four sacks also yeah. in this one here too. Aaron Jones got a touchdown, got untracked. That was nice to see. Uh, Joe, I was listening to Joe Dolan on Sirius XM Fantasy. And if you're on the road during, you know, like I was driving home from Phoenix, 
it's great to listen to this guys. It's the radio version of red zone, basically. And he called this game the hide the quarterback game. And I think that's a pretty accurate way of describing it. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. Uh, you know, Green Bay did, did a lot of its work on the ground. Aaron Jones, not very efficient, but 20 carries. That's that's just all Packers fans want. You, you want Aaron Jones carrying the ball 20-plus times. Mm-hmm. Typically, the, uh, the Packers tend to win those games when that happens. Uh, you know, A.J. Dillon, actually, I thought looked okay. Uh, was being a little overused late, but but had some long runs by his standards. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't have a ton here. You know, good, good bounce back, I suppose, for the Packers, uh, for Jordan Love. I, I did see a, a stat, which is – uh, pretty jarring and, and pretty surprising to me. But uh, obviously last year, Green Bay through eight games was three and five. Um, and you know this year's team has put up 15 more points than the Packers did to this point last year. So as horrendous and you know terrible mm-hmm. as this season feels, it was somehow worse last year with Aaron Rodgers. Week one's doing a lot towards that, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But so it goes. All right. Uh, Washington, New England. Uh, this is a... Uh, this is kind of a defensive battle in the second half. New England had the big run from Stevenson, uh, but then we, we saw Dotson take over late, get that one touchdown. Uh, I think Washington's defense just picked up in the second half, basically. Yeah, this was one to me that was a total toss-up. It was one of the Nick Whalen stayaways of the week in mm-hmm. by beating the book article. And you know, I think a lot of people were, were on New England this week under this belief that, you know, Washington, they've they've thrown in the towel, right? Psychologically, when you trade away, you know, two of your best defensive players, what message does that send? I didn't feel like there was that big of a drop-off, uh, maybe because it's New England, although they didn't sack Mac Jones a single time in this game. And, and Sam Howell was sacked three times, which is pretty low for him. Right. Uh, so, yeah, the, the pass rush did take a hit. But you forget that, you know, Washington, it's not like they lost any pieces on this offense. And, you know, they, they jumped out to an early lead, immediately blew that lead. They were down 14 to 10 at half, uh, but it, they, they came out with a better plan in the second half. New England could not do anything on offense. Uh, just a, a reminder that a team could trade away two starters on the defensive side of the ball and then still go into Foxborough and beat the Patriots. Like that's, that's where they are right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Ryan Robinson coughed up a fumble, but also, yeah. yeah, which was part of New England's run right after that fumble is when Stevenson broke off the 64 yard run. I think they need to find even more ways to use Stevenson nine for 87 and running and then four for 42 in the passing game. Um, Washington is throwing shorter targets. I saw a tweet uh, that Washington threw more behind the line of scrimmage the last two weeks than they have all year. And that's try to cut back on the sacks and it's worked. He's been, you know, Hal's been sacked four times in the last two weeks. Mm -hmm. Hal still managed 325 passing yards somehow. Uh, Didn't feel like it, Uh, but you see like, Oh, there's Byron Pringle getting 55 receiving yards. What? Okay. Um, sure. Why not? Um, Jamison Crowder didn't do much in place of Curtis Samuel, only four for 23. Uh, yeah. And then Demario Douglas, everybody's trendy pickup. Mine as well. Went five for 55, only seven targets, same number of targets that Juju got and similar production too. Yeah, those are very clearly the guys. I mean, they were really the only receivers that felt like they were consistently factored into this game plan. Yeah, we saw a lot of Ramadre, uh, you know, a lot of Zeke, uh, some Hunter Henry as well. But uh, you know, it's pretty clearly to be Douglas and Juju, the guys that that you want to be targeting. Uh, you know, if you're in deeper leagues, Juju just not a whole lot there. He only played 23 snaps actually, but was pretty involved on those 23. Uh, Douglas though played 53 out of a possible 64 snaps, which is a really good sign for him. Um, so maybe didn't get the immediate return that you were hoping for. If you went out and grabbed him, he was a popular pickup this past week, but I think there still are some encouraging signs there long-term. Yeah, there are. Um, Jalen Rager got six targets and shockingly only converted one of them. Um, wow. that, that is shocking information. Shocking. if true. Indy goes into Carolina wins comfortably in this one here. This is the Bryce young referendum game. As far as I'm concerned. Uh, yeah, man, I, Bryce young, hit some good throws. I, I don't think it was, you see the three interceptions and it, it's hard to dance around it. I mean, it was, it wasn't great. It wasn't great. Especially the, the second pick six of the afternoon uh, for, for Kenny Moore, who had two of them. Uh, that was just a, a pretty basic screen pass where I, I don't know if Bryce Young, if, if his height was an issue there, if he, if he you know, wasn't able to, to kind of see the defender on the weak side, but you know, kind of threw more of a bullet as opposed to a lob uh, that he needed in that situation. And that was, that was big. I mean, the, the final result, you know, indicates that that the Colts dominated this game, which they did to some degree. But uh, the Panthers were picking up some momentum. Uh, they were driving at that point and uh, you know, looking to make that a one-score game. And w- with the way Indy had been playing on offense, I mean, they had punted like three or four possessions in a row. They couldn't really do much at all uh, in the second half. 
Um, at that point, you know, you kind of felt like if Carolina could punch this in, like this could get pretty interesting at home. Crowd was starting to get into it, but yeah, that, I mean, that second pick six put them down 27 to 10. And uh, at that point it was pretty much over tough, tough look for Bryce young, especially, you know, what, what CJ Stroud had did like two and a half hours earlier. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and you know, I, I think there's still time for Bryce Young, and he did go five for 41 in the rushing side of things there. But, yeah, it, it's tough. Adam Thielen was limited to 29 receiving yards, and I think that teams are just have adjusted their coverage to kind of shut him down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was a disappointing game for uh, Mingo, who had been getting so many targets before. He was one catch for five yards on four targets. Now, some of this is, I mean, that Young didn't have time. He had three picks and four sacks. I mean, that, that'll go a long way towards – kind of mm-hmm. killing any sort of momentum. Chuba Hubbard dominated the, the carries, 16 carries to six for Miles Sanders. Sanders, they tried to establish in one series in the third quarter, and it was actually sounding pretty good, according to Karen, Carolina announcer, brought radio guys. But then, like, there's another time where he dropped a pass to kill to drive. You know, mm-hmm. that's the sort of thing. It's like, eh, not much hope there still left. Michael Pittman got banged up in this one, too. I'd, yeah. I'd watch out for uh, reports on that. Uh, Taylor was out. Josh Downs did leave that game. You're right. Yeah. Good call. And he came into the game banged up too. Yep. I wouldn't be surprised if he sits this week. Uh, Taylor was not very efficient. 18 for 47. Did have the receiving touchdown, uh, but he was only 5 for 22 in the passing game too. Yeah. But he dominated the workload. That was the takeaway. Yeah, I, he just didn't look explosive to me. I, I had him going in DFS. I I. I used him in, in prize picks. Took the, took the more on his rushing yards and... Yeah, it just it, it felt like he was consistently, you know, getting ankle tackled or you know one one mm-hmm. kind of broken tackle away from from looking more like Jonathan Taylor. But uh, yeah, really, I mean, you take away like a 13 yard run and he had like 17 for 30. I mean, it was it was ugly. It was one two yards on a lot of carries for both he and Zach Moss. Uh, but mm-hmm. like you said, we saw it's about the split here. Um, you know, for one on the Carolina side, 46 to 18 in favor of Chuba Hubbard, uh, talking snaps in that backfield. Uh, and then for the Indianapolis Colts, 45 to 13 in favor of Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, let's move on to the uh, marquee afternoon game. Um, Philly Dallas lived up to billing, uh, at least in terms of how close it was. Game of inches, really. I mean, it was stopped at the, you know, stepping out of bounds on the two point conversion, getting a knee down on a potential touchdown on a fourth down, getting stopped short of the goal line on the final play of the game. Yeah, it was kind of a, a nice ode to to Kevin Dyson by by CD Lamb on that last <laughs> nice. play. Uh, CD Lamb also took like seven terrible hits uh, at the end there. Dak kind of left him out to dry, ran that route a little bit short. But yeah, I mean, it looked like for a while Dallas, you know, thanks in part to just a comedy of errors by the Eagles, uh, was going to somehow steal this game late, which felt like it was completely over after the the Cowboys failed to convert a fourth down. Uh, it was really good coverage by by James Bradbury. Maybe could have been a flag. I, you're that's certainly not getting that call at Philadelphia, but I thought it was good coverage. You know, they the Eagles took over on downs with what like 117 left and you know, just couldn't move the ball. Obviously, you're in kind of conservation mode at that point. They had a, a near fumble uh, by DeAndre Swift that would have given the Cowboys the ball yep. with about a minute left at the 30. Uh, but but even after punting, you know, get a long uh pass interference call that was just bad. You, you can't be doing that at that point in the game. Uh, that gave Dallas life, but yeah, you're right. I I don't view this as a game. Like I saw a lot on Twitter. It's like, oh man, classic Cowboys can't win the big game. It's like, I, I actually think considering the circumstances here, Dallas played pretty well uh, won, going really. on the road at Philly, having so many fluky things not go your way. Um, you know, you mentioned the two point conversion. You mentioned the touchdown, like in real time, both of those look good. And then, you know, it's twice, twice. You have very similar replays, taking points off the board. Uh, devastating, uh, of course, for Dallas to come this close, but uh, I, I thought all in all, you know, I, I think if you're the Cowboys, you say, look, if this game's in Dallas, we're the team that's winning 28-23. I, I still think these teams are really evenly matched. Yeah. Uh, a lot of penalties in this game. Both teams committed 10 oh, yeah. penalties. Uh, Eagles seem like they just came up with time and time again, the uh, penalties in the secondary. Uh, roughing the passer was mixed in there, too. Uh, they did a lot of things to help. Dallas outgained them by over 100 yards. Philly's offense was su- struggling late. Um, and Hurts... Got hurt again right before halftime. Gutted it out. In fact, if they called a timeout mm-hmm. and he came back in to like do one play before halftime, but you know, Mariota was warming up on the sideline for all intents and purposes. It looked like okay, he's gonna have to sit out. Dallas Goddard got hurt, broke his forearm. He's gonna be out for a while. Um, CD Lamb was awesome, but for falling short of the goal line there at the end. Um, and Tony Pollard still hasn't scored since week one. 
Yeah, man, the, the Tony Pollard thing, I feel like we haven't talked about that a whole lot. And I uh, saw so, so our, our, our pal Mario Puig, you know, dredging up some, some old tweets of his saying that, uh, look, Tony Pollard's awesome in a limited role. You, you ask him to kind of be the guy, and I'm not sure he can handle that. And, and Mario was certainly correct about that. Uh, you know, a few weeks ago, we were, you know, talking about what do you do with CeeDee Lamb? You know, do, do, you, do you try to flip him? Is there, you know, is there a way out? And he's, he's now gone 19, 41, and 28 fantasy points in PPR leagues over the last three weeks. He is wide receiver five on the season behind only Tyreek Hill, AJ Brown, Stephon Diggs, and still Puka Nakua, uh, who's holding on. But there, there is no bye week yet for Nakua. So CeeDee Lamb is, is right. fifth on aggregate fantasy points with a bye in week seven. Yeah, Eagles, um, Dolphins, Chiefs, and Rams on bye in week 10, though. So uh, that will even out pretty quickly. We got one more game to cover, but first, real quick, uh, Rotowire is proud to partner with Splash Sports for the 2023 fantasy football season. Splash Sports empowers gaming commissioners to earn by creating contests. Commissioners can set up their contests, add their style, and enjoy the evolving Splash Sports platform for customized preferences. From daily to season-long contests, Splash Sports caters to various playing styles, such as DFS, Pick X, and Traditional Survivor. And unlike traditional sports books, Splash Sports pitch you against friends and family, not the house. Splash goes beyond betting, a space where friends can connect, strategize, and share in the excitement of sports. Rotowire, Rotowire will be running weekly DFS tiers contests on Splash Sports all season. Can you beat the Rotowire experts? Visit rotowire.com slash splash to enter today. All right, we saved the worst for last. Well, maybe not the worst. One of the worst. Uh, Vegas just utterly destroying the Giants. Uh, worst because Daniel Jones had a non-contact ACL injury where it looked like he was pre-hurt before that, and they kept him in the game. They, Brian Dable, I think, screwed that up a little bit there. You know, all the love that Dable, all that credit he's gotten, I mean, he's on the hot seat now. He is, and the Giants are going to struggle to win another game the rest of the year. I think that's fair to say. Uh, yep. They they play the Commanders, they play the Patriots, they play the Packers. Like the schedule, schedule is not even that difficult, and they're going to be in trouble because I think what we saw yesterday is indicative of of what Giants fans can expect going forward. I mean, it's basically down to Saquon Barkley and everybody else. Uh, we'll see how much time Darren Waller ends up missing, but coming into this week, that felt like you know they were talking about it as a multi week injury. Oh, he's on uh, IR. He's he's on IR, so at least three more games. Okay, yeah, at least three more. I mean, could be could be more beyond that, right? I, I think if they're you know if, if they're two and eleven at that point, um, you know what are we even talking about? Uh, so yeah, their season their season's pretty much over. Uh, even with the the bottom of the NFC being so bad, it's hard to imagine them crawling back into this. Uh, you know, Tommy DeVito looked significantly better than he did last week. Well, we'll <laughs> give him that. He had you know he had like what 180 more passing yards. He was in the positive. Uh, we'll, yes, we'll, give, we'll take that. I uh, had a. <laughs> Had a late touchdown uh, to to get the get the New York Giants on the board. Uh, you know, early I think it was early in the fourth quarter. I was watching the game kind of passively at that point, doing some work on the NBA side. And whoever was calling this game called that like like it was like a game tying or game winning touchdown. And I looked <laughs> up and I'm like, oh my god, like did I miss something? Like did they come back? Uh, so like, I wanted to give a shout out to whoever that announcer was for scaring me and and thinking that I, I lost my my Las Vegas Raiders cover. Um, but I, this is all about the Vegas side, right? I mean, we, we there's always two ways this could go. When you do, when you fire a coach in season, it's either a catalyst and the players rally uh, around, you know, someone right. like Josh McDaniels being out of the building, someone who, if you read some of the the, the receipts coming out, uh, you know, uh, of the Raiders over the last week, I don't think someone that was beloved. I think someone that the players were happy to see go. And man, did they rally around it, man? I mean, this was yeah. this was about as well as this could have gone for the Raiders, considering they fired their coach, their offensive coordinator and their quarterback, and their general manager all in the last week. Yeah, and all the stories coming out burying McDaniels, too. It's oh, pretty man. funny. Uh, the, the the Raiders also played hide the quarterback. They didn't ask O'Connell to do much. He didn't. 209 passing yards, but he also didn't get sacked or picked. Yeah. So, you know, they, he did what they – and they didn't fumble either. Josh Jacobs got a lot of work, 26 carries, 98 yards. Not efficient, but we'll take 98 yards and two touchdowns for sure. Uh, the loser on this was Devonte Adams, uh, only four catches for 34 yards, but you know what? This was a game flow thing too. I mean, the, yeah. the, the giants weren't a threat, so they didn't need to open things up. Everything was small. Um, and that, that happened for a reason. Tommy DeVito in three quarters had six sacks, got sacked six times and had two picks. So it was, and this is by the Raiders who are yeah. the Raiders. Uh, so it, it could get ugly in Dallas this week. Cause you know, Dallas, I mean, Dallas, Dallas just lost. These games. They're going to be angry my friend this is gonna i think this could be 
as ugly as week one. Yes, yes, it could. It could be. It's it's kind of a name your score game for Dallas. I I don't I don't see the Giants finding a way to compete whatsoever. I think they they conned us into thinking maybe their defense had turned a corner the last couple of weeks. Maybe it has, but when your offense is as bad as it was right. yesterday, it's just right. impossible for that defense to really make a difference. And three sacks for Max Crosby, by the way, who I, I think has at least he's thrown his hat in the ring for defensive player of the year. He's still 30 to one right yeah. now. Uh, Micah Parsons, Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, those guys are all, you know, plus 175, two to one. Those are your betting favorites. But if you're looking for some value right now and somebody who is seemingly picking up steam with each passing week, I think Max Crosby at 30 to one has some appeal. Yeah, I think the team context will keep them short, but most uh, likely, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I would have considered taking uh, uh, the Jets against the Raiders next week in Survivor. Now, no way, I won't. I won't. Uh, and that's because of the the post McDaniel's bump. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I, I think you know. I thought they were a total clown show before, and now they're not. Yeah. They're games also least, in Vegas. Well, that mean and that and honestly, that means nothing because those are two of the teams with the worst home field advantages in football. The Jets and the Raiders are both that way. Mm-hmm. Um, although I think the Jets' defense in in Jersey is pretty darn strong, but I just, I mean, lots of teams have gone into both of those stadiums and beaten them. So I, I just I can't really give either of them any sort of credit. All right, I know you got an NBA pod to go do, so we're going to cut it off here at this point. Thanks for everybody who listened in the forum and posted questions. We can't go through lightning round of questions this time. Uh, but hey, thanks for uh, tuning in. Thanks for downloading the podcast, sponsoring, and thanks to Circa and Splash for sponsoring us. Uh, we'll be on SiriusXM all week. And of course, uh, we got uh, Jake and Joe tomorrow with free agents. Thanks for listening to RotoWire. Take care.